0: You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode 175. I'm your host, Andreas Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co hosts, Jelena Levin and Pontus Böckmann. See
1: ya, Stock! Hey, son, hey, son! Hello! Hey! So, how are things? Things are good. good, all over Europe. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Well, not all over Europe. Not even down here in my basement because my computer. We just. <laughs> it's a little inside for the listeners. My I got the blue screen of death twice now when we tried to record. So oh god. I had to switch to the other computer which didn't have Skype installed and blahdy yadi yadi. Anyway, mm. oh, apart wow. from that, okay. all good.
0: <laughs> all good. And finally, we are recording in daylight, which is. Something that almost never happens.
1: <laughs> we are creatures of the night,
0: yes. Yeah, so it's weird. It's weird. But uh, yeah, yeah. it's still fun. I'm happy to report that I'm back to Europe. I was f- for two weeks in Canada again, where I uh, met up with, uh, with local skeptics in Ottawa again. Mm. Yeah. yeah. They are so lovely. And especially, I have to praise them for this, because this time... I gave them about two days' notice, <laughs> <laughs> and they managed to to gather a group of like twelve or or fourteen people. I don't exactly remember, but it was a considerable number. Wow. So um, it was really good, and uh, some of them are regulars on our meetings. One of them is uh, Kevin Brown, and uh, the other one uh, being Shauna Watson and Steve Watson. These guys are awesome. And they're basically running Ottawa Skeptics. And uh, there is a branch in Ottawa of uh, CFI as well, the Center for Inquiry.
1: Ooh, really? I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. I even got a (laughs) t-shirt with their logo. Ooh. Yeah. So uh, I've heard that uh, people are very happy that we are reporting from uh, um, not us personally but it was uh, Annika Merkelbach who, who was re- reporting from Skepgon do we still have interviews to we, to run yes. on this episode okay
1: we have three interviews left so if mm-hmm. we don't run over too much I think we'll take all of them today
0: oh alright let's try to be as quick as possible uh there is something that I'm afraid is not such good news that is the the recent death of uh one of the the greatest and best known skeptics across Europe, and uh that was Willem
1: Betts. yeah, very sad to hear
0: yeah, he was a Belgian, actually a Flemish uh physician and professor emeritus, an ardentden skeptic. He was an amazing man. We were lucky to to have interviewed him on episode fourteen of this show. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it was a was long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. And we were lucky enough to meet him in person as well. Probably even twice. Two of the European Skeptics Congresses, I think.
1: Yeah, I was expecting to see him this year in, in, uh, yeah. in Ghent. but uh, that Yeah, was...
0: especially because it was it's going to happen in, in Ghent, yeah. Mm. We will remember him fondly. Yep. And... What he's done is absolutely amazing. He started out as an alternative practitioner. I, m- I mean, after a while, he realized that it's probably not too much that I can believe in this. And he, b- he became a skeptic through questioning his own beliefs. And yeah, and, and a co-founder
1: f- of the Belgian skeptics. Uh, Skep.
0: Yeah. And I think he, he was even a president at some point of Skep i think he was and uh csi uh the Committee for Skepti- scientific inquiry took him among among its fellows as well yeah he had worldwide recognition for his skeptical work and work as a medical uh, scientist as well so well rest in peace yeah bets sad news okay anything else that has happened something more positive
1: <laughs> yes, we should get into more into politics, right? So I was... Oh, into- yeah, How is yeah, that definitely. positive? <laughs> <laughs> well, it can be if we do it the right way. So I was in this big political event in Stockholm that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a good time. We had a tent there, with me and some fellow Swedish skeptics. Uh, we handed out the information material, recruited a few new members. And of course, I got to talk to this random guy who told me, how old conspiracy theories were just crazy. So I thought, oh, okay, this is a guy who knows his shit. And <laughs> then he handed over a pamphlet to me who complained that, quote-unquote, important high-ranking individuals, and quote, has suggested that the Swedish language will be banned from use altogether with no sources <laughs> or anything. So he had a conspiracy theory. It was just the other conspiracy theories that was crap. So...
0: Oh. yeah i love that
1: but we had a good time and to everybody who came up and say hi uh thank you very much and uh thanks to the other fellow skeptics there who who did a great job in the in the tent
0: yeah we had another example why we need to talk in political context why we need to talk more about pseudoscience and critical thinking and skeptics into politics yes yeah more skeptics into politics please All right, I think we should move on. Why don't we start with the usual segment, which is This Week in Skepticism, presented by our very own Yelena Levin.
2: Yay! (laughs) This week, someone I want to talk about, is his name was William Crookes, and he was born on the 17th of June, back in 1832. And he was a British chemist, a physicist, uh, who attended Royal College of Chemistry, and worked on spectroscopy. He's actually discovered and invented quite a few very useful things. He was a pioneer of vacuum tubes, inventor of light mill, also known as Crookes radiometer. He identified the first known sample of helium and an important researcher into cathode rays and radioactivity. However, the reason why I wanted to bring him up on today's episode, not for any of his scientific achievements, of which he has many, but also for the fact that he believed into paranormal phenomena and he was a very avid supporter of all things to do with spirituality and seances and talking to the dead. It might come as no surprise that he, like so many other people, first came to believe in spiritualism after a personal tragedy. His brother died when he was 21 years old. He died of a yellow fever and uh, he wanted to reconcile his death and, and, and get in touch with his spirit again. I assume he was missing him a lot. And he started atten- attending seances where psychics claimed to have powers to talk to the dead. And uh, after attending few, he convinced himself that uh, these are genuine powers and indeed they were communicating with dead people. And then um, after that, he started studying mediums and going to more seances, organizing seances at his own house. He joined uh, the um, Society of Psychological Research, the Theosophical Society and Paranormal Research Association, known simply as a ghost club. He's also written a a book called Researchers, In the phenomena of spiritualism and um, until the end really he's uh, stuck to his beliefs Uh, I quote from one of his speeches he gave I have never had any occasion to change my mind on the subject I am perfectly satisfied with what I have said in earlier days it is quite true that a connection has been set up between this world and the next so he kind of stuck to his beliefs until the, the last sort of minute, even though he stopped the research into paranormal sort of into, in the later stages of his career. He got a lot of flack for, for this from his fellow scientists, uh, which is no surprise because uh, people were skeptics about. About this, but also uh, because a lot of seances and the mediums he went to see, psychics he uh, kind of talked to and uh, at, at whose seances he attended, were exposed as frauds, and yet it never stopped him. And it's interesting that it's not the first scientist we have mentioned that believed in in such thing. And possibly the reason why he <laughs> was so convinced, maybe his scientific mind sort of was in disadvantage in a way that he convinced himself even more that that these, these phenomena are real and kind of backfired in a way. One thing I read about him was that he had a very poor eyesight. And so until uh, later in his life, he never wore glasses. And so I can see how seances, especially the ones that um, were meant to talk to the ghosts and and sort of uh, create the ghosts or call them up on the stage, how he could have been fooled very easily with a bad eyesight into believing that shapes on, on stage were ghosts of somebody in the past. So, I guess a lot of things played into his uh, beliefs, um, and there there is various um, speculations around his uh, sexual connections to some of the psychics, etc. But, you know, the, it still remains that he stuck to his beliefs, whatever the, the reasons m- might have been. One of the greatest uh, scientists, uh, and yet he did believe that um, there is life after death.
1: Yeah. To be fair, it was quite common in the late 1800s to believe in spiritualism, so yeah. he wasn't as alone then as he may have been today. So.
0: Yeah. yeah, there were certain periods where mm. one or the other thing was more, much more popular, like in the 1990s, mm. 1980s and 1990s, it was UFOs, right? And uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And in the yeah. 1890s, the 1880s, 1890s, it was spiritualism and uh, they both linger on a little bit but yeah. the peak is already over yeah and uh that means that because it's much more popular more and more people even with scientific training will fall for it
2: and and i think some sometimes scientific training makes it harder for them to even <laughs> see the truth but uh, anyway that's that's
0: ironic in a way so but yeah and, and in some occasions i think that those with scientific training they are much more equipped to apply a motivated reasoning but they <laughs> they will be much more skillful in their arguments when it comes to trying to defend their own own stance but uh, yeah well anyway thank you very much all righty as the next segment we will again have pontus poke the pope <laughs>
1: Oh, yes. Okay. So first, I want to correct one thing from last week about the appeal hearings regarding Cardinal Pell. I said the appeal had been going on for a couple of weeks, but in fact, it was only two days. It was one day for the defence and one day for the prosecution. And maybe that doesn't matter so much, but I, I must say it's rather strange. The procedures are strange in this case because there's no new evidence being brought forward. It's just... Two sides arguing how believable the witnesses actually were in the trial. So how can they say anything about that in these hearings when they were not actually there when the evidence was given and uh, they can't really know more than before? Mm. I guess I just don't understand how the law works in Australia or maybe anywhere else. Anyway, the results from the appeal hearing will be out in a few weeks. So we will continue to monitor that. So this is Pride Month in several countries all Mm -hmm. over the world. And of course, the Vatican has to tell everybody what they think, as if we didn't know. The Congregation for Catholic Education released a new document on 10th of June called Male and Female as He Created Them. Uh, lovely, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could, you can even... The, the title is enough, actually. They don't have to go into 31 pages, but they do. And they say other th- things like the biological differences between men and women are, quote, constitutive of human identity, end quote. Funny how they use hard-to-understand words like that. They go on to say that, quote, efforts to go beyond the difference, such as the ideas of, quote, intersex or, quote, transgender, which they put in scare quotes because they don't really believe that that's a thing. The quote continues, they lead to a masculinity or femininity that is ambiguous. Yeah, you know what? That's because they fucking are. (laughs) Masculinity and femininity is on a scale and you should feel free to take your place wherever on that scale you feel comfortable. But of course they don't like that. But most disturbingly is that the Vatican also calls on doctors to intervene on intersex patients, even if the parents do not agree. So the church thinks it's not just fine, but appropriate to meddle even against the will of the parents. This is terrible stuff.
0: Does it does it say uh,
1: the age ranges? So no, I, I don't specify? think it does. Okay. I don't think it does. It says you should. It's fine to intervene if the child and with, even if they have the parent support is going into any kind of treatment or or exploring different options, then the doctors should intervene and, and I guess stop it. <laughs> um. Yeah. Francis himself, by the way, has not signed this uh, document, but he doesn't have to because we know what he thinks. In February 2015, he compared trans and and genderqueer people to nuclear weapons, saying they do not, quote, recognize the order of the creator, end quote. So he's on board with this. There is no room for tolerance and humanity in the church, but uh, we knew that already. But I, for my part, will, as usual, join the local pride parade here in Malmö, representing the Swedish skeptics, And it will take place on 20th of July. And any skeptics who happen to be around are very welcome to join us. Just let me know. And meanwhile, of course, there is at least two news stories this week about priests who are being accused for sexual abuse. But what is the point of even going into that? The church is so fucking messed up and confused by sex uh, that it's really ridiculous. (laughs) Okay,
0: thank you very much, Pontus for poking the Pope once again. Thank you. Thank you. And I think it's time for us to listen to a couple of interviews that Annika Merkelbach recorded at SkepCon.
3: So we're here on the second day of SkepCon, and with me is another visitor and very important organizer of SkepCon, but also Skeptics in the Pub. Would you like to introduce yourself?
4: Yeah, my name is Gerald Soko. I'm part of the regional group in Cologne, where I'm basically the MC for the local skeptics in the pub.
3: Okay, and we're here at SkepCon, and what did you like so far? So what were your highlights with yesterday's skeptical, but also, um, yeah, SkepCon of today?
4: I quite enjoyed the skeptical yesterday, because I always want the skeptical to be the shh. The showcase, the best of what we can be as skeptics. We can have fun, but we can be critical. And I think all of that came across very well yesterday. We had we had music, there was a lot of laughter, but the talk still were dealing with critical issues that should be of interest to everybody. So it had a little bit of everything, and I think it was the best way to represent ourselves to the outside, as I would like to see it done.
3: You also organize Skeptics in the Pub in Cologne. That's um, actually how I got into the German movement. So, would you like to tell us a bit more about um, Skeptics in the Pub in Cologne?
4: Well, we started six years ago, at the time when I actually moved back to Germany from England, where I had been in the local in a group in Winchester. And we started it up, and the first thing I learned is, it's so difficult to find good science communicators in Germany. There are a lot less of them around, and they live a lot farther away. They're not all just centralized in London like you have it in the UK. So it is a lot more challenging, which means, in effect, we only have our meetings every second month, which I think still is not enough, but there's just not enough people around to make sure you can give good, qualitative talks on a monthly basis. Other than that, um, we're doing well. We've been going regularly now for six years. I think we're only one of two groups in the German-speaking area that can claim that and we have um, 40 to 50 regulars who show up every time and if we manage to get somebody who is a minor celebrity then we've had reached the 200s so yeah we're doing well.
3: Maybe as my last question what um, are you looking forward to in the um, next to the next um, day so what what are you excited for for today or for tomorrow at SkepCon?
4: I do admit I haven't even studied the program i have no idea what other talks are coming up i'm here to just meet people and to get confronted with new ideas as i always am at this these kind of conferences so um yeah i, I just hope to be challenged by new ideas
3: and that's the best we can all hope for i think and um yeah i thank you for the interview and uh, thanks for the great work you do
4: you're welcome thank you
3: I'm um, here again on the second day of SkepCon with Dr. Stefanie Dreifürst and um,
5: yeah, maybe you could
3: introduce yourself.
5: Mm, Yes, I'm the vice chair of the German Skeptics and I'm currently working as an editor for a publisher in Frankfurt and I used to be like for 10 years I have been the director of a writing center at a university, so I mainly did writing research and writing pedagogy, trying to teach people how to write good scientific texts. (laughs) That's um, a bit about myself, I'd say.
3: And you're also, um, you just said you're the um, vice chair or the vice chairwoman of um, the German Skeptics. Could you tell us more about the leadership of um, GWUP?
5: As far as I can see, we're pretty diverse when it comes to professions. Background, gender, and um, things like that. So, we have a current judge as well on the board. We have like an engineer, we have people working for insurance companies or um, human resources, things like that. And a journalist who's always sitting with us and counseling us, who's like the editor of our German Skeptics magazine. Yeah, that's pretty much the board we meet on a regular basis. And, prospectively, like for the future, we're trying to actively engage more women still for for working on the board as well um which is kind of yeah my pipe dream to maybe surpass the men as well one day and hopefully soon
3: okay yeah that's something i could uh, could sign too <laughs> and um yeah, I just wanted to ask you, um, because I know all of you have been very busy to organize the Skeptical event where we are at right now, so um, what did you like about SkepCon so far and um, what are you looking forward
5: to um, for tomorrow? Mm, this year I think the diversity of the topics is quite interesting and really endearing. I enjoyed all of the presentations so far very much and I think that we're pretty good by now by having, like, a really high level of professional presentation. So I like that, and I really um, try to to get people to be more engaged with, like, the t-shirt competition, for example, the skeptical t-shirt competition, so... I tried that for the first time this year and I really love it that the people are sharing their ideas for like cool skeptical t-shirts so um that's kind of my favorite thing <laughs> um at the moment and I'm really looking forward to hearing more about diverse topics and topics that i would normally like at me as a person not do so much research in my free time so i'm really happy that the people are sharing their research with us and doing it in a very entertaining way
3: okay thank you and you already um said that one of your goals is to have more women active in the in the gwup or as um um, yeah, speakers or as board members, like with everything. What are your
5: other goals or what would you do to make this dream, this goal come true? I think I have several different goals or ideas or dreams. You could say um, one of them is to have more, especially as well young women, to join the skeptic movement here in Germany. I think our like English colleagues are a little bit further when it comes to that. What i but what I also see is that, in parts, the skeptic movement is still very much focused on like white male people. So and and to me, very sexist in in a lot of aspects. So, I really would like for us to change in a more diverse, open society or community. So that's definitely one of my goals. Another one is as well. I would love to introduce the ask for evidence movement here as well it's working so well in England and it impressed me deeply I saw how it works at a conference in I think London it was since then I have been in love with the idea so but me on my own I can't make it happen so I'm um, hoping that there are a lot of more people who find the idea attractive so I would really would love to make that come true so maybe that's enough but two of my dreams
3: Yeah, I think um, these are very important goals and important dreams. And yeah, I would conclude this interview here. And I um, thank you very much for your time.
5: (laughs) Thanks for interviewing me and greetings to everyone who's listening.
3: So, I'm sitting in the park close to Skepcorn here and Skepcon is officially over now. And um, with me is Dr. Nikhil Mukherjee. I hope I pronounced that right, but I don't know. So, I will give you the microphone and let you introduce yourself.
6: <laughs> yeah, my name is Nikhil. Um, I'm a philosopher by training, um, also an economist, which is, uh, yeah, there was... One well, of my juvenile sins, so I studied business economic once and then um, moved on to economics and also into philosophy um, because I was interested in the more theoretical side of economics and, yeah, ended up becoming a philosopher, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> so, But I'm also, speaking of, for God's sake, uh, I'm also uh, a, a quite a skeptical philosopher, um, which makes it quite natural for me to, uh, to be involved in the skeptic movement.
3: And you were also a speaker at a skeptics in the pub in Cologne. And uh, you also wrote a book, right? So, um, what was your book about?
6: I guess the best translation would be The Ten Commandments of Common Sense. But Gesunder Menschenverstand, which is the German title, and Common Sense have slightly different connotations. So, I'm not quite sure how to put it in English. But it's about um, very basic rules of thinking that we should all employ and that are actually quite obvious and trivial even almost, but which most people just neglect in their daily practice. And yeah, I was always um, that guy who would raise the finger and point at people and say, well, you're breaking that commandment of common sense, for instance, to be open to new information, not to be distracted by relevant irrelevant information and so on and so forth. And yeah, I just wrote it down and... Um, Many people liked it, <laughs> much to my surprise, and yeah, now it's um, one of the books that you can buy at a SCAPCON, yeah, and I, yeah. g- I get to sign it, uh, which is quite quite interesting. Yeah,
3: yeah that's um, very cool, I have to say, and um, speaking of Skepcon, you also were a speaker of this year's uh, Skepcon. do you qu- quickly wanna maybe like summarize your, your talk?
6: Yeah, so I had a joint uh, talk, or you could call it a discussion even, um, with Martin Moda, who is probably best known for his the party place in the Science Busters. And what we try to do is to explain the myths that surround Jordan Peterson, who is, an, uh, who is a Canadian um, psychologist, academic psychologist, and also... Um, uh, psychology professor um, who rose to fame um, in connection with the C-16 bill uh, which was a reform of the um, Canadian um, Human Rights Code um, giving people with um, certain gender identities and um, gender expressions um, certain protections. It was actually quite a technical, legal process uh, that went on there. And he got involved uh, saying that he was not going to be forced um, to employ certain pronouns that these folks um, wanted other people to use. And that um, devolved into a public mudslinging and uh, was quite interesting to follow. And that <clears throat> made him quite famous, I guess, but what was interesting was that people didn 't really track him for that reason only. They went to his YouTube channel where he posted videos uh, that uh, commented on that um, on that particular issue, but they stayed for the psychological content that he had on there and many of these lectures dealt with the question how to lead a proper life and um, he basically just passed on fundamental wisdom uh, from the ages, and uh, much of that is quite non-controversial, but he's also a cultural Christian and he's quite a conservative guy, um, which made him say in public certain things that uh, seemed quite controversial and many people took offense. That ended up uh, devolving into a very, very ugly public fight uh, where he kind of misunderstood the other side and the other side misunderstood him I take it. And what we tried to do in the talk was to just explain what he means when he says, for instance, that um, enforced monogamy is a good idea um, to have in the West because it decreases violence amongst males. What you have to bear in mind, this was a central message, I think, is that um, many of the things he says, like many of the notions he uses, are quite technical. For instance, uh, enforced monogamy is just a term that is used by, by behavioral scientists and anthropologists for instance and you can find papers um, which show that when people live in societies where enforced monogamy is a thing then uh, violence decreases which was his entire thesis to begin with so there's usually something to the points that he makes but sometimes he overshoots and uh, it's important not not to deify him or to call him the devil um it's usually the truth is in somewhere in the middle Uh, i i just think we should have an open mind and just take what he says at face value and just have a proper discussion about it
3: and i think that's a very good suggestion for every skeptic um every skeptic should follow the evidence and read up so if you're interested in the whole jordan peterson debate you are very welcome to research and read up on him because uh i know he's still um a bit controversial or controversially discussed and i so,
6: so was our talk i i think yeah 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 but We yeah. didn't get any rotten tomatoes so.
3: yeah and um so, yeah. <laughs> i think uh, it was pretty well received here and um I thank you for the interview.
6: Yeah, thanks, Annika.
0: Now, on to the news items that we have prepared for you, the listeners.
1: Right, tying back to uh, the Vatican and the popes. (laughs) (laughs) You must be kidding me. (laughs) No, I'm not going to talk about them, but I'm going to talk about um, gay conversion therapy. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Nobody should feel pressured to have to change their sexuality, and still we know that, of course, it happens all the time. And that's why it's always a good thing when we have an openly non-cis politician who can start to change things. And I'm talking about the current Minister of Health in Germany, Jens Spahn, who got married to his boyfriend in December 2017. He has vowed to make gay conversion therapy illegal in Germany, and bloody hell, isn't it crazy that it's still a thing? But it turns out that in Germany, about a thousand people every year goes through injection therapy with testosterone, electric shocks while looking at gay porn and other such idiotic things in an effort to become quote unquote straight. What Jens Spahn now wants to do is to make so-called conversion therapy illegal and good for him for trying to do that. I really hope it works out because, one, nobody should feel that they have to become quote-unquote straight if that's not who they are. And two, it's quite clear that such conversion therapy never works. You cannot and you should not try to change your sexuality. As long as you don't hurt someone and it's fully consensual among adults, all sex is fine, people. So just go ahead and enjoy. Yeah, exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. There might be forms, different forms of sex that you don't approve of, but until you are forced to get involved, please just leave everyone else alone who who, yeah. who prefers other ways of uh, enjoying themselves. So, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's just <laughs> none of your business. Yeah. That's it. None of your business uh and especially when it comes to uh regulations and stuff i really i do admire that uh, i think it was in the 70s or the 80s under the, the the trudeau administration in canada when uh, they decriminalized being a one of the the mottos were were that the state has nothing to do in the bedrooms of people no that's it it's none of their business all right uh but now that you mentioned therapies that don't work On an earlier episode, we mentioned the Manifesto Against Pseudotherapies that was initiated by a group of uh, Spanish people, and uh, specifically group of people with the association to protect the sick of pseudoscientific therapies well it, it was initiated a couple of years ago that uh, little organization but now they are moving this manifesto towards becoming a european scale thing and uh, they're focusing on the european ideas and uh, european issues and invite people and organizations uh, i think Specifically, people from different scientific organizations, with scientific titles as well, to sign the manifesto. As you would expect, on, for example, Edzard Ernst's website, where Edzard put up the the whole manifesto. Uh, some people started attacking it like it sounds European manifesto. It sounds as if it was coming from the European Union or something, but it has nothing to do with the EU. Why does it parade as something official and that kind of stuff? Others are worried that uh, that you have to give your credentials and and everything. But I do not understand why those attacks are going on. Because obviously, unfortunately, and you, you could argue that it's an argument from authority if you want to gather lots of um, signatures from scientifically trained people with science with uh, fancy titles as well. Of course, that could be argued. But of course, when it comes to adding a little bit of weight to your agenda and your manifesto, you will have to do that. Otherwise, it will be just a list of names. I do support this, and we do support this. We are in full support of this uh, I- initiative, and uh, some European organizations have already posted it on their websites. Uh, the Hungarian Skeptical Organization is going to do that very soon as well. Yeah, uh, people. Anyone listening to this show, if you are a member of an organization, a scientific organization, or if you're a researcher, better still, then please consider signing the manifesto. We need people signing it from all over Europe.
1: Absolutely. All right, uh, we go to Sweden now. Uh, Back in episode 170, I gave the Really Right Award to footballer Kim Shellström for refusing to do commercials for online casinos. And I argued that casinos exploit our total inability to understand large numbers in the sense that no one really understands how small the chances are of winning. And if we did understand it, no one would gamble. And there's a growing awareness of the problem of online gambling, and Sweden implemented stricter rules in this area in January this year. Now, for the first time, the new rules have been used to withdraw the gambling license of a company called Ninja Casino, which is one of the big online casinos over here. I don't know if it's all international or if it's just in Sweden, but they're big in Sweden. <laughs> okay, so it's a ninja casino. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> So Ninja Casino has failed to react to players losing very big amounts, which they have to do. And also they have allowed players to far exceed their own deposit limits. So if you, to protect yourself, you can put in a limit saying, I don't want to deposit more money than X, but then they haven't stopped people from far exceeding those limits. I will continue to argue that gambling is a kind of a fraud in the sense that people inherently don't have the ability to understand how extremely unlikely it is to win. As I said back in episode 170, we cannot intuitively understand numbers higher than five or six, really, if, if you go to my example back then. So how are we supposed to understand chances like one in a million? Mm. <laughs>
0: I think the best option is to just avoid all these uh, online casinos and anything that is uh, gambling. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do it, people.
1: (laughs) That's true. But there is... People get addicted to this. and I know. And these companies, they exploit that. Yeah.
2: Mm, Somebody makes millions and millions.
1: Millions of money. You know,
0: uh, it's unbelievable how many people, for example, do the lottery. Yeah. They spend money on it every single week i just met a guy he's a professor of chemistry of organic chemistry at a very prestigious university and he was in my group and i was surprised to hear him say that he plays a lot lottery every week he's been doing it for 30 years and he's always played the same numbers and (laughs) if his numbers get drawn now after he decides to to quit, to just quit and, and don't do it anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: He's gonna well, kill himself.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, just, <laughs> I just wanna remind everyone that the chances of winning, I'm talking about UK lottery, national lottery in UK, are 1 in 45 million. Yeah. And chances of winning Euro millions, which is normally a bigger draw, is 1 in 139 million. So it's 1 billion. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it's, it's it, ridiculous and it's zero
2: it's just beyond it's, yeah. ridiculously low just you yeah. know
0: now that the, the fact that there are occasionally there are people winning the big bucks that keeps people going and it's yeah, the, it's it's well, well, only great business for the the lottery mm. itself. So
2: and and actually, so, so like you, uh, the lottery in UK funds various good uh, f- sort of things, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Heritage funds, etc. Yeah, yeah. But also, we know that the winnings don't make the winners happy either, because a lot of them just lose their uh, winnings as soon as they <laughs> as they win. So um, mm. yeah, yeah. It's not about money, people. It's about how much money. No, it's not about money.
0: Of course, it's about money. <laughs> it's about nothing <laughs> else but money.
2: As in happiness, it's not. <laughs> happiness,
0: <laughs> happiness is <laughs> not about money. No. <laughs> happiness is, is not, all about. Yeah, the happiness money. is definitely not about money, or not yeah. exclusively. Sorry, about yes, money. that's what I
2: meant. But yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Talking about things with drone, we usually keep an eye out for uh, things that are papers that get retracted. This is why we rely on websites like Retraction Watch. Retraction Watch has a massive database of everything that has been retracted, which is very important to know, because if a paper gets retracted, in science, it means that something is really wrong with it that's a good indication that's like a red flag that okay you should probably not consider whatever you read in that paper proper and factual and definitely don't cite it and uh, this is why there is um, another organization called uh, Zotero they work with um, general databases and they provide some very useful tools like um, additional web based search engines and and that kind of stuff so it they they help organize your data and they teamed up with uh with retraction watch and they provide An interesting Zotero kind of extension to your databases so I think where it will be very useful is databases that store uh, scientific papers and where people actually look for these scientific papers like PubMed or uh, ScienceDirect or that kind of stuff that that I'm talking about what it will do if you click on one of the papers it will check automatically whether that paper has been retracted and if it has, then it notifies you that you you should probably know that this has been retracted. Please don't cite this, or otherwise, right. if you if you still go go on citing it, please be aware that uh, you might get criticized for it. I think it's a it's a pretty good initiative, and mm. um, it's going to be very useful all over the world
1: for researchers. Mm. Yeah, because I think it is a thing that even retracted studies do get cited quite a lot. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. So this sounds good. Yeah. All right, let's talk about homeopathy. We have mentioned before that homeopathy is in big trouble in France. Yay! (laughs) Where it risks getting defunded from public health care. Of course, this is good news since homeopathic so-called remedies do not uh, contain anything but sugar and cannot possibly work. Uh, And that, of course, doesn't prevent big producers to fight uh, what I hope is the inevitable ban of homeopathy in in France. At least, well, it's not a ban, but at least not getting publicly funded. On June 12th, there was an important meeting between the French health authorities and representatives of the three big companies that sell homeopathy in France. That is Boiron, Lening and Veleda. These companies have been told and all producers have been told that if they can't provide proof that homeopathy works, the public funding of such preparations will be stopped. We won't hear the final verdict until 28th of June, but on the following press conference, right after the meeting on the 12th, the three doctors who were representing the homeopathic companies were reported to show, quote unquote, an air of defeat. (laughs) And they complained to the journalists that the authorities did not seem to listen and that they seemed to have already made up their minds. So we will come back to this after 28th of June. But apparently it's not uh, going very well for the homeopathic producers in France. And uh, so much better for evidence-based medicine.
2: Okie dokie. So just a quick note on... Our dear Facebook, hmm. Snopes recently um, published an article on does Facebook have shake to report a feature that lands users in Facebook jail. This claim uh, has proven to be mostly false. So yes, no, you can shake your phone as much as you like, and it will not land you into Facebook jail. But what the Facebook did introduce, without much advertisement, may I say um that if you're on Facebook and you're experiencing a bug or or a problem you can shake your phone and a little screen pops up to say do you want to report an issue slightly i don't know spooky Anyway, (laughs) I don't think I would have wanted that if I was a user of Facebook, to be honest.
1: No, as as an older man, I'm happy to shake my fist against Facebook and have it report something (laughs) automatically. I can fully understand this.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, But however, it doesn't land anyone in a Facebook jail. It doesn't block you from using Facebook, as was reported by some users on Uh Facebook. That is the case, which it wasn't. It's just I just wonder sometimes why do people start these little useless kind of <laughs> bits of misinformation and, and conspiracies that nobody's better or worse off anyway.
1: Yeah.
2: But um. But there you go. Also, kids, don't use Facebook.
1: <laughs> I use it all the time, actually.
0: <laughs> I I have recently started considering qu- quitting.
1: Good on you. You've started considering quitting. Uh, it's far from not using it. Actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I
0: specifically use that structure
1: because uh
0: I'm not convinced that I should yet. but uh are you I've, waiting been, for I've been more, thinking about um, it. Are you
2: waiting for more like scandals around data breaches and leaks etc.?
0: <laughs> no, I don't I don't know. I don't know.
2: Well
4: anyway. I have
0: no idea. Actually, there are still people that I keep in touch with through Facebook and especially with my lifestyle that I travel all the time and I'm, I'm constantly undergo. go. I can rarely meet up with people in person, but uh, I don't know.
1: All right, I have another news item. We hear all about the terrible new anti-abortion laws in the US. And as we've said before, everything points now to the famous Roe v. Wade decision to be overturned. Roe v. Wade was the landmark decision in the Supreme Court in 1973. And in practice, it meant that they ruled that abortion bans were against the Constitution. Well, the Constitution hasn't changed, but the right wing activists that Trump has appointed to the Supreme Court, and they are appointed for life, by the way, they will still most likely overrule the old decision. The Republicans have been working on this for years. But that's the US. But anyway, the changes in the US are beginning to spread to Europe as well. The Christian Democrats, who else, in Norway, recently tried to get a number of anti-abortion laws through the parliament on 13th of June. And they managed to get one approved, actually. I've tried to find out what the actual justification was for this particular law but apparently now if you carry more than one fetus at the same time, for instance, if you are expecting twins and you want to abort one of them, this must now go through an approval procedure in a committee before it's allowed. That that's very specific. Uh I don't I don't know why why they chose that specific case, but I believe that perhaps they just put together all kinds of uh, suggested laws and and just threw them at the parliament to see what could go through. Maybe if we have some Norwegian listener who knows about this, uh, and if that person wants to write in and tell us what the justification was, I think uh, it would be helpful. In any case, we should look out for this, these new anti-abortion laws, because several other countries have or are about to, or probably will, Follow the example of the U.S. and limit abortion rights also in Europe.
0: Hmm. There are other terrible things um, happening sometimes across Europe, and uh, we are when we are talking about uh, some pseudoscientific therapies. Unfortunately, we sometimes miss how very, very dangerous they can be. And homeopathy, although it is considered a very mild intervention that is so good or supposed to be so good because it doesn't do anything or cannot harm you. But indirectly, it can be very harmful. I think uh, we reported on this uh, a couple of years ago when it actually happened. On May the 27th, 2017, an Italian boy uh, named Francesco uh, from Cali, near Pesaro, died of uh, bilateral bacterial otitis which is the the middle ear infection that that went on to infect the brain as well and uh, basically he was brain dead when uh, they they found out that that it was impossible to save him. Previously he had gone through a homeopathic treatment by a doctor, homeopathic doctor, called Massimiliano Mecozzi. And why it has a relevance right now is because a couple of days ago, on the 6th of June, the conviction was out. So it was the conviction was made that the parents are both convicted to three-month suspended sentence for manslaughter. However, the case has not ended there. I have to point out and emphasize that they got three months of suspended sentence. Yeah, so practice nothing. For killing their own child by neglecting that a proper scientifically trained medical attention is in order. Mm. In fact, what they did was took their boy to a quack. And that quack will go on trial as well on the 24th of September. So we'll just have to keep an eye out for what happened. However, I have to say that the ANSA, which is um, an Italian... Uh, news outlet, they say at the end of the the short article that Francesco died after the otitis degenerated into encephalitis. And uh, recently on Science science Based Medicine, Clay Jones published an article just a couple of days ago uh, actually questioning whether it was really, encephalitis, because it was really not convincing what the events and the line of events are suggested. But apart from this, the fact remains that these people refuse to provide their child with the best possible intervention, medical intervention, and instead they turn to a quack. I'm really hoping that at least the quack, the homeopath, will get a much more serious sentence. If he gets convicted, because yeah, three month suspended, yeah, that's as you said, Pontus is basically nothing. Ugh, so everyone involved should rot in hell. That's what uh, <laughs> that that's what Clay Jones says at the end of <laughs> of uh, no rot in jail. Sorry, not in hell, but uh,
1: <laughs> I was wondering.
0: <laughs> so I was I was paraphrasing. uh yeah, yeah, <laughs> somewhere they <laughs> should rot somewhere.
4: Mm. Yeah,
0: I think. That uh, concludes our uh, list of news items. So let's move on and talk about someone who's been really wrong lately.
1: Yes, I guess everyone are familiar with Spotify. The founder and CEO of Spotify is a Swede called Daniel Ek, and he created a foundation in 2015 called Brilliant Minds. So let me quote from their website what they're all about. The aim of the Brilliant Minds Foundation is to support creative individuals with transformative ideas within entrepreneurship, technology, fashion, health, finance and education using Swedish values, whatever that means, and technology to advance and solve problems. That doesn't sound too bad, right? Sounds worthwhile if you have made a fortune on an internet service such as Spotify. What better use of the money but to promote new and brilliant ideas. So, sounds like something you should support. And one thing they do is that they invite interesting and so-called brilliant minds to a yearly conference to trade ideas and give speeches. The conference is very exclusive and can be attended by invitation only. So, it's hard to know exactly what... uh, they discuss, but it still gets a lot of publicity here, because it's hard to hide the fact that so many celebrities are flying in from all over the world to attend. This year's conference was held last week, and the three most publicized speakers were Barack Obama, Greta Thunberg, who we keep mentioning on the show as well, Mm -hmm. and here's the reason to bring this up in this segment. Gwyneth Bloody Paltrow. No! (laughs) <laughs> Apparently, Daniel Eck is into the stupid, superstitious and pseudoscientific nonsense that Gwyneth Paltrow pedals through her idiotic goop company, which, according to Brilliant Minds, is, and I quote from their website, helping women make their own choices count in the various facets of their lives, from style, travel, work, food and beauty, to physical, mental and spiritual wellness. Well, fuck that. (laughs) (laughs) that. (laughs) Goop is the most outrageous and stupid company imaginable. And in fact, Gwyneth Paltrow got last year's Rusty Racer Award presented Mm at QED for being such an obvious money-grabbing scam, selling totally useless products and sometimes dangerous products as well. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) she is not... What I would call a brilliant mind. Unless you call it brilliant to get people to pay a lot of things pay a lot of money for, for some things that are just bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. So for giving Gwyneth Christos up your Fanny Paltro legitimacy <laughs> and promoting her as having a so-called brilliant mind. Daniel Ek and his so-called Brilliant Mind Foundation get today's prize for being really wrong. Uh, not even the
0: Swedes can uh, can get it right all the time. No, mm. no, no. Nee. Well, the land of promise, right? Uh. <laughs> all right. That almost concludes our show. But before we say goodbye, I'd like to ask Elena to... Bring us a quote.
2: Very short one for you today from Albert Einstein, mm-hmm. who doesn't need any introduction. Uh, he said Foolish faith in authority is the worst enemy
1: of the truth. Wow. Yeah. No comment. No, nope. <laughs> no, right. Quite right. Quite right. Especially Not needed. since he himself is regarded uh, as such a big authority. So don't believe don't even believe this quote then. Because that would be <laughs> that yeah. would be argument from authority. No, don't believe this
0: quote because Einstein said it. Ah. That's Think right. of it, consider it and see the truth in it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Alright. Very well.
0: Regardless of who said it. Well put. And um, before we say goodbye, I'd like to say one more thing. The next two tours that I will be doing, spanning about two weeks altogether, a bit more than that, will be to the Baltic States.
2: Oh, good old Baltic!
0: <laughs> yeah. So one country among them being uh, the birthplace of
2: Yelena <laughs> Latvia. You're going to Riga.
0: I'm going. I'm flying to Riga because that's that's the only Baltic capital city that has a direct connection to Budapest. So I'm flying to Riga mm-hmm. and then we, we're doing like a little tour from from Riga, to traveling across the, the, the three countries and I'll do it twice in a row. So I'll come back home and I'll fly back to Riga and start again.
2: Oh, have a lovely time.
0: Yeah, so I'd like to ask anyone who's listening and from any of those countries or lives any of those countries... If you want to meet up, get in touch with me. Send me an email to andras at theesp.eu or info at theesp.eu. That's that's also fine. Just let me know, and uh, on one of the evenings we might be able to catch up and meet up. And and who knows? I've seen things happen through those meetings, quasi random meetings. I've hooked up hooked up with the uh, Ottawa skeptics many many years ago like that, and we're we're still uh, doing it every time i'm there so very good who knows? very
1: good sounds like a good idea
0: yeah so please get in touch andras at the or info at the and uh, i'll get back to you as soon as possible excellent but for this week and this week's episode i think it's coming to an end so i'd like to thank both of you Yelena and Pontus for joining me today thank, thank you guys you. i'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in please keep doing so and until next week Goodbye. Paka, paka Bye-bye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time. But until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Robb and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.thesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu, and like us on Facebook.
5: I don't know how you can believe
2: Uh, hello, I'm back, everything is fine, and my recording is going, so all good. Okay, okay. good, good. Very good, very Okay.
0: Good. Oh, sorry, sorry, it's your it's turn, my, no, sorry, it's sorry, turn, Sorry, sorry, <laughs>
2: sorry, 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 <laughs> sorry. Okay. Andres got carried away. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: right,
2: okay. And it's your turn. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> the um, Snoops, sorry, Snopes... <laughs>
0: snoops, snoops. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>